G'day. It's another week in the Foyer Reference household. We are starting off with your phrase or mine. And really, as always, I am the wise sage. <laughs> okay. And given the subject matter that we're covering today, this quote is about tragedy. Mm-hmm. Credited to Horace Walpole, it says, The world is a comedy to those that think, a tragedy to those that feel. I think it means that um, to anyone that really tries to look at the world and how things run, it's quite um, farcical. Okay. And um, yeah, that's pretty much it. Well, just like cinema, friends and lovers, you can decide whether that was good or not. Let's get on with the show. Hey, friends and lovers, welcome back to For Your Reference. You got your host, KT. And OT. And get ready to swipe right on your Tinder. I wouldn't know, but I think that's what you do because we are going on a road trip. This week, we are covering the film Queen and Slim. Woohoo! Woohoo! Again, apparently, we don't know how to use dating apps. No, we don't. We've been together since the dinosaurs have been around. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Welcome, welcome, welcome. Um, If this is the first time that you're listening to For Your Reference, we take Canlet to your kind around her. Um, And if you've tuned in to a few or all of our um, episodes, you are fucking nasty and we love you guys. Uh Um, If you have known, if you followed us along on the Twitter or if you're just a nerd about release dates, Queen and Slim came out last year, I think in November um, for America and we've been waiting until March of 2020 to watch this film. So there's been a lot of anticipation about this. Um, as much as possible, we try not to dive into, I guess, what the f- thoughts and feelings are about the film. But it was very hard not to do that, especially because we have um, friends and lovers, in many cases lovers, um, that we rely upon. Colby. Mm-hmm. Yo, 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 yo. Shout out to Colby. Um, because there were thoughts and feelings about the film and we were so frustrated because we didn't understand how and why, you know, there were enjoyments or non-enjoyments of the film. Mm-hmm. And we just had to wait. Like we couldn't we couldn't figure it out for ourselves, unfortunately. Yeah. Until then. Um, but let's get into the stats so we can get into the meaty, juicy, Martin Lawrence-ass chic of it all. <laughs> I I love bad boys just like every other sodium lover. Um, Like I mentioned, this came out in 2019, but in Australia it came out in March 2020. We have the director, Melina Matsukas. I guess the reference crossover that we have is Insecure. She's directed quite a lot um, of episodes for Insecure. Is she the Um, formation lady? She is. She's the visionary formation lady. Um, we also have Lena Waith at the helm. Um, there's, if you've watched any interview um, with Lena Waith, she does talk about James Frey and how he initially pitched the story to her. So he gets a credit, but not necessarily. He didn't really have a hand in it. It was made very clear that Lena and Melina also 
they they pretty much had complete control mm-hmm. over this film, um, which is a great thing. And it's a very confident thing to say. Like, we weren't restricted by the studios. We did what we wanted to do. Okay. And that's what we're going to talk about mm-hmm. today. Um, in regards to the cast, I guess we'll just focus on on the main ones. Uh, Daniel Kaluuya, Hallelujah, Kalaluya is is no stranger to the Four Year Reference podcast. No, he's not. He's, he's an <laughs> up and comer. He's an up and comer, according to Katie. I think um, I think if we were to do like a tally of actors that have appeared and stuff that we covered, Daniel Kaluuya will be quite up there. Mm. Um, so you know. Shout outs with shout outs to you. And then we also have, um, at least in, in, in my watching experience, a debut of Jodie Turner Smith. Yeah, I don't think I've seen her in anything. She's either. a Briton as well, by the way. Oh. Yeah. Um, so you have a whole slew of actors. And I do just want to give a little shout out to Flea <laughs> from um, Red Hot Chili Peppers. He was also, he also got a shout out in our Big Lebowski episode. Mm hmm. As well. Um, so there's a cute little shout out. But it had quite an expansive cast. Um, and if you're doing a for your reference drinking game, take a shot because I, I say expansive cast all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but there we go. Uh, there's the cast. There was a lot. Usually when we go and watch a film at the cinema, we come straight home and record it. Um, we're recording this a couple of days after. I really felt like we needed to just have some time to digest these morsels. Yeah, yeah. I think it's for the better, definitely. Otherwise, it'll just all be too emotional, I reckon. No, have you watched the film? That's literally all it is. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But let's, let's get into... First impressions, again, if this is the first time you've listened to um, our episodes, we talk about our frame of reference um, and we also talk about how we might have come across, um, you know, actors or director um, or even writers' works before. So, um, OT, you know, we've got Melina Masukas, we talk about Insecure. Um, we, have, we also have an episode of Master of None, who Lena Waithe has written on and involved on, she stars in. Um, the episode that she wrote for Thanksgiving won an Emmy. Um, and, you know, we love Daniel Kaluuya and that sort of thing. So how did you feel leading up to this film? Because we had quite a lot of months we had to wait. And I guess in a broad sort of nutshell, how did you feel watching it and after watching it? All right. So I think there was a completely sort of um, difference between us because you were really eager to watch this. Oh, yes. I was more on the, yeah, we'll see it when we see it. I wasn't that interested, per se, mm-hmm. just because... I didn't expect too much from it. Okay, so so let's let's explore that. Why? Based on what the trailer was and how they explained the movie would be about, I was like, yeah, cool. You know, we've had several movies like this. Um, maybe it's just the difference in hue in terms of casting, but I don't know. It just didn't really gravitate towards me that much. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what I went to into this film thinking that okay, whatever it is that they'll present, yep. I have no sort of expectation from it. Um, I'm just here to enjoy myself, and I couldn't even get that to be honest. Okay. Yeah. Um. Well, I guess I guess from the other point of view, you know, sometimes you come across um films or TV shows where you don't really know who the director is, you don't know who the actors are. Um, This was completely the opposite. 
I knew who the director was. I knew who the writer or the screenplay was from. And I knew who one of the leads were. Like it was heavily promoted that way, I reckon. No, but th- that's why I wanted to watch it. Mm. You know what I mean? Like you said. But I was really, um, I was really expecting an inshallah, Bonnie and Clyde type adventure. Mm-hmm. And all of the hijinks that, um, you know, come along with that. And what I mean by insula is we are seeing the perspective of the world, but only in what's necessary that needs to be told between these two characters. But there was a lot of there, there was a lot of contextual background that I felt like wasn't necessary in this particular film. Mm. Um, and I, I know we're definitely going to talk about it as we go throughout the episode. Um, there's a frame of reference that I will never have because I'm not African-American and I also don't know what it means to be black. Oh, who would have thought? How dare you? <laughs> um, like in the Western world, what it means to be a black person, mm. right? I know what it means to be a person of color, but I will never try and translate that to mean the same thing. Mm-hmm. So there, there are a lot of themes in this film that I will never understand, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I felt like a lot of the time when African-American sort of um, the disparity between, you know, African-Americans and, you know, white Americans, I felt like the disparity between that um, was very jarring. Um, I feel like the way that this film was written, there wasn't much nuance to it. Um, I did listen to a podcast episode interview um, with Lena Waithe and I can link it um, on our Twitter if you guys are interested. And I've watched a lot of interviews because it's like I I needed something to satiate me until this film came out. Um, And Lena Waithe was talking about how there are no good guys and bad guys. Like it's not like you're rooting for Queen and Slim because they're great people. You know what I mean? And she, she also brought it back to one of the opening scenes with the white cop. And she said that he's not supposed to be evil. He's just the man doing his job. And the way that that was supposed to be further exemplified was showing the photo of his family when he goes back to the car. But that – spoiler, spoiler, spoilers, by the way, because I'm, I'm, just, I'm just getting deep into it. Um, later on in the film, we find out that he had actually – arrest he didn't arrest did he arrest or shoot or did he bur- he'd, he'd had a history of killing i say history loosely but he had a history of killing someone else or at least once or, before yeah we're not sure how many um so it's not necessarily as if you're painting this guy it's one thing to say that you're not trying to tell us that there's there's no bad and evil in this when clearly you, yeah. you are trying to Swayed us to lean into some sort of direction, mm-hmm. um, regardless of how gently you think you're doing it, which yeah. I don't even think it was that gentle, yeah. it was quite blatant because uh-huh. I think that was what pushed people to the edge in terms of trying to justify and to support what Queen and Slim did. Um, okay. and it's one of those things where you're like, okay, so we know this is an ongoing sort of theme. And an ongoing sort of problem in America um, in general where there's this police brutality and whatnot. And we have no experience of that because we don't live there. But it's what we can only relate to in terms of what we see in the news, what's Mm -hmm. on social media and all. Um, So when you get to see um, how the fast sort of uh, scene in the car goes out Mm -hmm. and he gets shot, 
you know, fair enough up until that point because it, it was just all too chaotic. And yeah. you wouldn't even blame Slim for that per se, um, just because it was all too uh, emotional and just charged. Um, well, it was a fight or flight situation, definitely. Exactly. And, and, and the fact that Quinn was laying down short on the leg... We need to talk about that, but yeah, let's let's focus on um, this particular scene. Yeah, yeah. And, and and it was just one of those things that I felt okay. So you've taken down us down this path, and then in the later in the later part of the movie, you tell us that this guy has had history of killing, or at least killed another black person. It, yeah, it's it's just interesting if you take a step back from the film, it's interesting that Lena Waithe would say that there's no good guys and bad guys, but then she would later purposefully write in the script, because again, no one stopped her, everything there is her, right? Um, she would later give an example of why he's possibly not a great person. Exactly. So of course, of course, there 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 are nuances to this. So mm. it'll just be ignorant to say that it's not or it doesn't exist. Because at the end of the day, we, well, she said that she wants people, art is something to be perceived in different sort of, in a, in a different sort of spectrum, or at least to be perceived in a spectrum mm-hmm. where there's no good and evil, there's just in between. Yeah, but I think I think what we're going to explore, and especially when we get to our for your reference section at the end of the episode, is there is a way to tackle these themes. And there is a way to do that effectively. Um, I I just want to mention that podcast interview um, that I listened to. I can't remember what the podcast was, Um, but I will link it on our Twitter. But it was a a white man that Mm. was interviewing her. And he said that there were moments in the film where he felt uncomfortable. And he was just asking, is that something that was supposed to be purposeful? Like, was that part of the intention to, you know, wake people up and, you know, just make aware to what the realities are, right? And then Lena Waithe, I don't know if she was doing it in jest, but she's like, yeah, I want you to feel bad. And I... I had qualm with that. I, I had qualm with that. There's definitely, I'm, I'm not denying that there's a disparity um, between African-Americans and just the broader sort of America. But th- that is how I felt watching this film. I took my time and my money to come and watch this film and I felt like every scene was loaded for me to feel a certain way. Mm. There was no reprieve. Even in the light sort of scenes where we come across, and we'll talk about it later, with that kid, everything was loaded in this film. You had uh, Queen as a character, and she she really wore all of the burdens of the world, and she's definitely a tough nut to crack, and I can't wait to talk about her character. And there's obviously reasons why she's guarded the way she is, which is completely understandable, but... That's how this film felt to me. Mm-hmm. I wasn't even allowed to love this film. I was, you know, I feel like this film was, like Lena said as well, this film was treated um, and ca- came out of Universal, which had um, straight out of Compton, mm. right? And a couple of other films where they marketed it for everyone. It wasn't specifically for one demographic, mm. right? And Queen and Slim was treated the same way. If that is the case, 
there might be, you know, it, it might hit harder for African Americans, but it was intended, and cinema as a whole is intended to be consumed by everyone. Yep. Right. However, if you do not have a frame of reference in order to engage with these characters and what they're going through, I do believe it is the responsibility of the storyteller to at least fill the gaps a bit, mm. just to let us start to see. Um, where we need to be, how we need to be primed in order to enjoy this film. Um, I, the, best, the best sort of example I can give um, is John Wick. Yeah. Right? Um, you know, because there's a lot of talk about unnecessary exposition. Mm -hmm. In regards to John Wick, I don't know if, I don't think it's a spoiler, but, you know, the catalyst of John Wick turning full John Wick was the fact that his wife died. Mm -hmm. Right? But we didn't need to see him and his wife being in love because on some sort of level, all of us have experienced love, mm -hmm. right? So we didn't need to see that exposition. However, with this film, it literally just dives into Queen and Slim. We don't even know who they are as characters. We don't really know what motivates them. Um, you know, the, the more sort of complex um, themes especially to do with Queen I I don't need to know that from the start of the film and that's fine that it unravels the way that it does but going back to specific sort of African-American themes I felt like it it would have been more less of a barrier of entry for me if that was weaved into the story somehow maybe so maybe so or am I just supposed to be like raging against all of the cops and all of the white men because that's what it felt like. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I see your point. And you know what? I felt like they backtracked or at least they tried as hard as possible not to paint that sort of message because in a way it, I was watching it, I felt like in a, in a sort of progressive way, this would turn out to be like, yeah, this is an issue that's going on in our community. This is what we need to do. We need to stand together and all that. Yeah. And then when you'd think they'd be going towards a certain direction, they just take a hard right or something. Okay. And I would give this example. Like we have, we have the kid. We have the kid that um, Queen and Slim made. And uh -huh. um, the kid for the mechanic, right? Yeah. And he's, 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 he's enthralled. Mm-hmm. He's captivated. Oh yeah. By what Queen and Slim stand for. He's definitely a product of now. Yes. Of social media yes. and sensationalism and hashtags and you know um, not necessarily social justice warriors, but you know um, you know showing showing your support for a cause through those sort of means, right? Yeah. My point being is. We see him go to a rally and he, he, he amps himself up. Yeah. He amps himself up knowing that he's going to do something ridiculous. And it is ridiculous and crazy. Yeah. Which I really don't even see the point of why that had to be in this in the first place. It wanted um, you to feel, mate. It wanted to bash you over the head and make you fucking feel. There's, there's, there's a difference. There's a difference between making me feel and just having like a completely sort of random it seemed random to me at oh least. yeah like um it, it it pulled me out of the um, like the emotion of the film and it felt like to me i was looking at them in the writer's room saying okay how can we upset people the most 
yes this, but this scene but doesn't to, have uh, enough but not to upset people too much or no. to to at least ruffle the feathers too much because the cop that he kills i'm i'm 110 percent positive they had to make sure it, it was a not cop. a white cop because <laughs> they wanted to be responsible with Otherwise, their message he would just tarnish i think the sort of message that they were trying to pass and because this isn't based off of um a true story surely there are elements of the real world that they're bringing into here um but you know there's there's a lot of dialogue about you know um you know the the only sort of black films that get recognition are the ones about slave movies and that sort of thing right so i wonder if we're going into a new genre um of black films where it's a fantasy sort of thing because really like it, it it's playing out in a world where if you could do what you wanted that's what you would do mm. right it's it's it, because you know even when we see at the start um the differences between queen and slim right when the when the police officer was approaching um you know queen was very well, not very. She she was allowed to have an attitude, but unfortunately in the climate, you're not allowed to have an attitude. You need to be like, yes, please, thank you. Yeah. Right? And you could definitely see the difference uh, between the two. And I reckon for a lawyer, she should know that. Or even at least at, at the most basic of levels as a black person. I think there's just a lot she needs to reconcile, but it's just unfair that she's not allowed to have an off day because that yes. could turn into something else. Yeah um and you know again there are like many ways to do it and you know now that i think of it because we've covered get out which i think very so perfectly and i did nominate get out a couple of times for the splooshies award so how dare you ot <laughs> how dare you you just keep if putting black, black didn't get in there. <laughs> <laughs> well there you go we can fight because i feel like get out did much much better in regards to themes than black panther but anyway um uh, uh. I'm a fight. We can you. have that fight, mate. Well, you know, now that I think of it, a film that I felt really did well in regards to covering these sort of themes, as well as bring people along that aren't African American, is set it off. Hoo hoo! Hot dog. Do we just close this episode and tell everyone to use their time to go and watch Set It Off? Yeah, I think I think Set It Off did this brilliantly, and they did this in 1996. Ah, six, I want to say, but it was way early. Oh yes, and that's also another perfect example. Because let's let's go into the characters now. I want to talk about Queen and Slim as a collective, and then we can start to break them down. Um, Queen and Slim, I felt like both of them reminded me, in regards to emotional resonance, there wasn't any, mm. and it reminded me so much of Lupita and her character in Us. Go and listen to our Us episode. Mm. Jordan Peele, we fucking love you. Um, you know, if you come on our podcast, we, we promise we'll cover Keanu. <laughs> <laughs> Not even. <laughs> um, but what I mean in regards to that, and if you've listened to our Us episode, is yes, performance-wise, Daniel Kaluuya and Jodie Turner-Smith gave us the emotional range. Maybe maybe not Queen's character, but that's a story um, that we'll get to. But they, these actors brought their cojones in mm. regards to the emotion that needed to be filled in the character. However, as an audience member, I didn't have enough to care about them once they got to the point of, 
you know, their emotions. Like a, a good example of that is right after they shot the cop, Slim was freaking out. And he's like, what about my family? What about my family? And he is giving such a masterful performance, yeah. right? And he's fully getting, you can visibly see that he's upset. He's starting to register that he's never going to see his family again. And yes, I know what it's like to have a family, some cases when I love them. Um, but it wasn't enough. Like it was, it was way too... I wasn't lubricated enough, essentially, mm. for that emotional penetration, mm-hmm. um, and I think a lot of a lot of that was was my inability to enjoy or to latch on to these characters. They were just thrown in front of me, saying they're going through this adversity. Feel this now. Yeah, I see your point, and the thing is, I I just felt that I couldn't resonate at all, just because of how quickly it seemed that it took Queen to break bad. Like, <laughs> I'm, I'm all for, you know, this is the situation we're in. Let's just handle it. But fuck's sakes. And the fact that she's a lawyer and she was that quick to just jump from, hey, this is just a normal night. We're heading home from a Tinder fucking date to, okay, we've shot a cop. Let's fucking go on a run. I don't care about my family. I have no one. Let's just go. I'm like, what? did i miss something yeah but then you start to see that she's she's usually that lone sort of wolf so she's used to there's lone sort of wolf and then there's judgments here okay cool the new the the picture doesn't look great black man kills a white cop all right yeah they have the dash cam but yes and they have the dash cam that looks good it looks in their favor yeah but that's all out the window the minute they run. They kidnap another cop, put him in a fucking trunk. Shout out to Benito Martinez because we fucking love him. <laughs> like, I, <laughs> I didn't just understand how easy it was for her to assimilate this role. When we clearly saw Slim was struggling. Well, I guess they're just two different types of people. Um, oh, man, there's different types of personalities and just being crazy but can i just say um the reason why they named daniel kaluuya slim is because those were his chances if he didn't have queen because queen literally led the way for him she was like do this don't do that you know even she even clocked it when um the sheriff he realized that it was them Mm. right so queen was the person that you wanted to have in your bonnie and clyde sort of situation um Interesting. Interesting that you would say that about Queen's character. I would say that she felt very one-dimensional. She felt very one-dimensional until two-thirds of the movie when it was revealed why she's so guarded. Yeah. And let's talk about it because we said spoilers. Um, She's very emotionally jilted. She, like, it seems like she would get offended over anything mm-hmm. or even nothing that mm-hmm. people would say. Um, and we start to see why um, later on in the film when we come across Uncle Earl. And we love this actor. You know what his name is? What's his name? Bokeem Woodbine. Bokeem. I am, <laughs> I am putting him on my list of great names right next to Walton Goggins. Far out, mate. Bokeem. What a name and what a man. Um, but yes, when she goes to Uncle Earl's place, um, obviously a lot happens. But in regards to her character development, she starts to shed some layers, right? 
I think it's later on in the film, but she starts to shed layers at that particular moment. And we later on find out in the film that she defended her uncle that killed her mother. Yeah. That's some hard shit, man. It is some hard shit. And it, it goes to show you, and I think that's when the moment where you can kind of start seeing why she made the decision of just completely taking into the position they were in. Yeah, but before that, she, she was just flat note. She's a logical person. She was like, okay, my uncle, he, he was in the right mind. He was upset. He didn't mean to hurt my mother. And for someone to be able to do that, you know, it, it may take years for, you know, regular folks to just come to that sort of um, mentality. But for her, it was almost instant. For And to also defend him in court for that. Like, but I think also at the same mm. time, it is sad that she lost her mother, but I think that's all the family that she had left. Yeah. So it might have just been a case of her trying to keep the family that she has remaining. Maybe so. Maybe um, so. But she didn't, and, and this, is, this is actually a comment for all of the characters in Queen and Slim. None of the characters felt lived in. Mm. And, you know, we, we love film. Um, but we also love TV shows. And I guess the advantage of TV shows is you get to live and breathe with the characters um, and you can feel... I, I, get, I guess you get a better sense of who they are as people. Films don't have as much time um, in order for you to, you know, um, you know, piggyback off the top of them and feel what they're feeling uh, I reckon, in all of the holes. I reckon... But just to finish that thought, my ever-eternal love, OT, that ever-eternally likes to um, mansplain to me. Um, what I wanted to say is you have TV shows that have ample amount of hours. You have movies that have a finite, ugh, in some cases, increasing hours. But then you have amazing, insular, all-encapsulating stories like... Black Mirror, but even better, we have Inside Number Nine. Um, most recently, we have Little America, right? These are stories that last 20 to 40 minutes, yet in that, there is enough emotional resonance and emotional payoff to make you and feel. And buy-in, yeah. And buy-in. Yes, it's a whole Monopoly reference board for all of the friends and lovers. And it, it grows in patience with me now. When I watch a film that's two hours and 12 minutes long that fails to do what it needs to do in order for us to enjoy the world that we are in. Agreed. Like, mate, it's not like even Queen and Slim was that short. Queen and Slim was fucking long. Oh, yes. And they started, in my opinion, they started sort of strongly and then it just tethered into some sort of weird nothingness. Uh -huh. where we were really not getting anything from it took a lot it took such a long time for 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 Quinn and Slim to get their mojo going uh-huh um and by the time they were this sort of coherent unit it was a bit too late at the end of the movie uh -huh. and then they die i'm like okay <laughs> and everyone dies mate you know we've spent such a long time sitting here and what for what for exactly when it could have been done so much better. The pacing was a bit off. They they could have really utilized the two hours of runtime to just execute this way better than what it was. Because 
at the heart of it, it's a good premise. It's a good sort of base to have a, a good platform to start making a movie that would pretty much be enjoyable to everyone. And then to spend a bulk of it on just nothingness. Well, it's interesting you say nothing because I would actually um, argue that it was too much. I feel like you're saying nothing, but there was actually too much in the story. What what would have been great is if we just focused on Queen and Slim. However, what we get is a, is a story that expands into different streams, different vehicles to show you the injustice of African Americans, and that kid is one of them. But, the but that, mm. the the fact that they chose to kill off that kid, you didn't even earn that emotional payoff. And then it, it detracts from the emotional payoff of seeing the star-crossed lovers having a Romeo and Juliet-esque end. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, choose your moments. Where do you want us to have the biggest emotional impact? And let's go there. An interesting thing that I just want to mention is, uh, Lena Waith, we haven't tried The Shy yet, um, but she also has a new show called Twenties. Yeah. Where it's kind of um, based off her experiences in her 20s, if you'll pardon the mm-hmm. reference. Um, and the first episode, it's not necessarily a spoiler, but the first episode is literally commentary on Lena Waith as a character tweeting about how bad a particular show is and how that bites her in the ass. Mm. And, um, you know, it, it, it explores themes of how you know, black creatives don't get as much opportunity, so you should support them. And it's interesting. Like, there was a lot of juxtaposition about... um, It was interesting. I I wonder if it was more from her perspective saying stuff about other creatives or was it a cautionary tale of people saying, like, don't say shit about my shit. (laughs) You know what I mean? Because I... (sighs) I love you, Lena Waith, and, you know, you listen to our Master of None episode, if you'll be so kind. But, I, like, I get, I understand that, you know, um, world cinema isn't at the same level of, like, Hollywood, right? And they haven't been afforded the same sort of opportunities. But I also think that we're still allowed to analyse it and discuss it thoughtfully. Yeah. Yeah, I just feel like she she's coming off as if she's stronger writing from a perspective of sort of her experiences and all. Yeah. Um. But anyway, like not 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 to say that the nothingness I meant in the movie was that it just didn't have enough of the dynamisms of what would make Quinn and Slim the sort of. Uh, counterpart to Bonnie and Clyde, for example. Yeah. Like, if if it's Queen and Slim, show me them. Focus on them. Build their relationship. Focus on how that works. Even against the sort of um, society we live in, vis-a-vis uh-huh. that, like, it's all part of, of having a plot that dictates the, who you want to have as... Uh, as a protagonist Mm -hmm. and in this even because in her failure to do that in her failure to elevate queen and slim beyond just the name of the movie to be a symbol is what is not felt at the end when they were shot and i was staring at the screen emotionless 
it's fucking sad when that happens because I felt a sort of need to to connect with these people. I wanted to connect with Queen and Slim so much. Can I spoil and, set it off? Yeah, and like you know what, like when all I've been hearing about this movie was Black Love and how fucking Black Love is amazing. It was very clear in the cinema. That's what people came for. Yeah. Yeah, black love. I mean, no. And the truth is, we don't get enough of black love in in, in cinemas and TVs. Mm-hmm. And I was on there for it. You know, let's see this black love. I get black love all the time. <laughs> <laughs> see, we haven't even had time to make jokes because we're so bloody frustrated over this movie. And I think we're frustrated because it could have been so much better. But it had all of the tools. It did. It really did. I don't understand. And the fact that we're told that they, they were given all the creative freedom to do this. Oh, yes. And they still under-delivered, in my opinion. That's even that more frustrating. Oh, yeah. Because they, they, were, they were definitely capable. Because you have, you have the acting chops of Kaluuya who could fucking make a paper bloody mellow fucking nothing and hey i couldn't drink tea for weeks and then you know he was you know you, you remember the first um black mirror episode where we, we 15 start, million credits yeah and that's not even his strongest stuff but that's when i think you started seeing kaluuya it's the first time i i was introduced to the entity of all that is hallelujah hallelujah yes but from then on, you could see this guy oh, has yes. it. Everything. I wanted to see him and everything. And let's take some time right now to say it. I did shed a KT tear, and that amounts to 100 OT tears. Um, but that's a story for another day. But I did shed a tear um, watching Queen and Slim, and it had nothing to do with the film. I was just marveling at how talented... Daniel Kaluuya is like I hope we really appreciate how good we have it with him and I know I have a love fest um for Daniel Kaluuya but you can come and fight me what I wanted to say about Daniel Kaluuya is he brings so much emotion to his roles Mm. however he never overacts Mm. if you notice never and I'm going to say it now 2020 Katie in the for your reference podcast Daniel Kaluuya has the same emotional acting performances and is capable and I want to see him in a film with Colin Firth. Oh, can we do a, can we do a single there. man with uh, Daniel Kaluuya and Colin Firth, please? <laughs> he won't be single. No, but, but you know long. what I mean? Like he is one of the greats, right? Maybe I Lena is never going to listen to this. Um maybe he heard the general premise, the first draft of it and he said yes and it was too late to say no (laughs) 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 oh but he was great he was great in this film um i also feel in some ways that slim's character is very similar to lena waith as a person Mm. just very chill very laid back um i think she thrives like you mentioned earlier um i think she thrives in writing from her own frame of reference Mm. um this film kind of tackled a lot of tentacles not even in a pleasurable hentai way, unfortunately. Um, but the, you could see that he was a family guy, if you'll pardon the pun. Um, but 
it wasn't it it was forced it was forced on us to feel the way that he was feeling even the fact that they were on the run and uh they were in the mechanic shop and he took the phone and called his family that oh, pissed but me how off how good was it to see the father just hang up yeah but you know what i mean like you're on the run dude but that's his character. Can you like, can you wait? Can you wait till you're on the shores of Mexico on the beach or something? Maybe so. He felt safe at the moment, and it's understandable, at least for me, in that sort of position or situation for him yeah, to try and they, reach out. They gave us some sort of inklings of who he was and what he cared about. So I get yeah. that. Um, let's talk about Queen because she really. We had to guess. We had to guess who she was as a person or we just accepted that she was one-dimensional. She was angry. She had the world on her shoulders. And I'm not even saying that that's not warranted, right? Mm. I can't even imagine what it would be to go through what she went through. However, as an audience member, I felt burdened to feel something every time she was on the screen. Every time she was on the screen, it was emotionally draining. For me. And I didn't even know why until two thirds of the film. I don't think that's fair to do. <laughs> um, but I, I I do want to point something out. And it's it's not as serious as everything we're talking about. But is she human? Because she literally got shot in the first scene and she carried on for days. And apparently that didn't even cause a problem to her. <laughs> We've seen people fucking die. <laughs> of blood infection and just because she put bandage on that shit like was it a flesh everything was it a flesh wound or did she actually get shot because it looked like she got shot she got shot they didn't even remove the bloody bullet at least i don't remember that right if it's a flesh wound then maybe it went through and just came out or like i don't i don't even want to tackle that shit like it's some <laughs> some anime level of, of, of reality <laughs> in this. Because she got shot and 20 minutes later, I said to Oti, babe, did she, like, are we just going to ignore the fact that she's she just, just got chilling. shot? <laughs> Them flagging a cop and her, wave, you know, standing in front, like exposing waving, exposing her leg, exposing her leg <laughs> with all the blood. What was that? Oh my God. If you're smart, be smart throughout the whole movie. Don't have some elements of stupidityness throughout. Um, but you know, it, in as much as it took me a while to warm up to Quinn, uh-huh. I did warm up to her, and really? I think that's I did. That's when she shed off the many layers of what's causing her to be in such a way, and I think that helped me kind of start. Mm, okay. I see you, girl. You know, yeah, do your thing. You know, you're strong. You're a lawyer. You, you, she reminded me so much of Max in Living Single. Oh, yeah, this was Max and Kyle through <laughs> and through. Oh, my God, yes. This Maxine is- <laughs> Shaw, attorney at law. And you're, we literally just did a Living Single episode last week. You're wondering where Kyle and Max went. This is him. This is him. <laughs> <laughs> because she was emotionally shut off. Yeah, she was emotionally shut off. But I did warm up to her. And what I love about this movie, and in terms of what we were talking about, Black Love, is, you know, it's rare that we see um, um, the darker sort of um, people portrayed in such a a, a sexy way. And I thought, like, you know, she's she's, she's dealing it. She's she's there, having it, you know? Cool, cool, good on her. Friends and lovers, wait for the secret footage of OT I have. (laughs) You want to see some secret sexy 
dark skin love. <laughs> <laughs> Wait for Oti's moonlight. <laughs> no, like I mean it. Like you I know, know, I know, you, I know, you rarely get this stuff. And for her, she portrayed sexy. She oh, oozed, she was she oozed sexy. And you know, I even forgave the fact that she was wearing those heeled boots for how many days? Oh, heeled if. <laughs> I forgave her more than I forgave. Oh, she's one of the redheads. I don't know if she's Chastain or Howard, but the one in Jurassic Park. Mm. I think it's Bryce Dallas Howard. Yeah, Bryce Dallas Howard. Running, running from dinosaurs with fucking, in fucking heels. Yeah, but I'm saying I give Queen a pass, even though that's kind of the same thing, mm. right? She's on the run in her heeled boots. Well, but anyway, it's just, you know, it's not that I hated everything in this. I didn't. There were moments where I really sort of um, resonated with both Quinn and Slim. I started warming up to Quinn a little bit too late in the movie. But it but wasn't that, that was deliberate. It wasn't still enough for me to care that much when she got shot. Um I like I said, like I said, I felt like we were forced to feel at every scene. There was no moment where we were I wouldn't necessarily call it preaching. But I will call it forced emotional connection. Mm. And that's how it felt. This is a young African-American kid. Therefore, once he dies, I have to feel something. Yeah. And like, what, what, what does that mean as a general sort of statement? If you're making so many heavily emotional statements, then which one stands out? Where do I deposit my emotional resonance? Yeah, yeah. We don't have um, unlimited emotional resonance fluids like OT does. So we have to choose our moments, <laughs> friends and lovers. But yeah, there was there was a lot to be said about... It, again, it, it, it took me out of the film and it made me feel like I wanted to know what the writer's room was like. And it was like... Where can we make them feel stuff? And um, it, again, that, that comment that Lena made about not caring or wanting white people to feel guilty, especially white men to feel guilty about watching this film, it's like, come on, dude. Like, <laughs> like is that really the place that you want people to watch your films in? Because yeah. I, I don't think even Spike Lee does that. Oh. <laughs> it's definitely not a Spike Lee joint. No, but you know what I mean. Like he he covers African American themes, but he at least in, in my case, it's not necessarily forcing people to feel bad because of their color. And it will take you back to set it off. Like I think how they did it, and this heavily borrows off what set it off did. Oh yes, oh yes, yes, yes. yes and yes. I reckon set it off still does it ten times better if not more. Yeah. Um, because you have the payoff, you have the message that's there. If if it's police brutality, good. It's been covered in there in uh -huh. such a good way. And you buy into the characters. There's enough of you to know about the characters and to care about them. And by the end of it, I'm not going to spoil set it off because you're not covering it. But and there's the a very... end of it, yeah. you get all the feels. No, but even throughout, there is a key death that becomes a catalyst for that film. Yeah. So they chose its moments. Yeah. But they also had moments of joy. 
just genuine unbridled joy where we get to feel the characters yeah i feel like this didn't happen every scene was purposeful to make you feel something as opposed to us like living and breathing with the characters which is weird because I, i didn't feel like this film had any sort of levity to it Oh, but yes. in the cinema, people were laughing at random moments, and I was like, <laughs> "Am I missing something? What's going on?" Because I did not think that's funny. It will just be oh, Kaluya yes. talking, and then people start laughing. I'm like, "Um, okay. Am I just detached from this well, experience completely?" What was the last film that we watched in the cinema? It would have hmm. been Bad Boys. Bad boys, yeah. So there you go. So we haven't been to the cinema in a couple of months. And this particular experience was a bit jarring to me. Like mm. it made me feel like maybe we should just watch shit from home. Because <laughs> like like you said, there was there was reactions at moments that didn't need mm. reactions. But I guess it also um, points out to a very beautiful thing, but also a very different thing where there's different sort of moviegoers. There's people that go for the love of film and there's people that go for the love of representation. And hopefully there's a Venn diagram where they overlap. However, I felt like it didn't overlap here. Mm. And I feel like the biggest sort of downfall with this film was the storytelling. Yeah. Because it wasn't really storytelling. It was let's bash feelings into you that you need to be feeling. But let's let's cover off um a couple of other characters. Um, you know, just to just to have some more comprehension. Because again, it wasn't just Queen and Slim. They introduced a whole bunch of characters, which I felt wasn't necessary. Um but you know who is very necessary? Mm. Chloe Sevigny. Ah. <laughs> the pronunciation may be not necessary, but is is that how you would say it, OT? That's how I'd say it. But then again, I'm bad at saying anything, really. Oh, don't do that. <laughs> you didn't write this movie. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about Chloe Sevigny and also Flea. So Flea was a comrade to Uncle Earl. <laughs> and he was the point of contact once they got to, I don't know, American geography. Come fight me. But was it somewhere in Florida or some shit? Mm. Yeah. Okay, whatever. They had to get where they were getting. And Flea was there to be the beacon and to accept them in. Mm-hmm. Right? Let's talk a bit about those characters. Um, yeah. Is, is, um, I think it was calculated for them to be white. <laughs> <laughs> Really? You thought Just, something you thought something in this was calculated? <laughs> like, come on, mate. It, it just felt too too on the nose. Anyway, um yeah, you know, they they're helping people in the cause, you know. Um not sure it's the cause we all want to tackle in the same way, but whew, they took us there. Yep. Uh, <laughs> but you know what? They were they they stuck to their guns. They stuck with their guns in terms of trying to protect them. I think Chloe was a bit um, resistant at first. Yep. But Flea talked her into it. Mm-hmm. That's why friends are very important. Yeah. yeah. And at the end of it, they were kind of sad when they learned that they'd Queen and Slim were no more. Yeah. I think it was nice to have um, Chloe Sevigny as a character that wasn't wasn't necessarily seen as a good person just to just to round it out 
you know, mm. just to just to make everyone feel a bit um, okay. But I, I I appreciated having them um, as a part of the story. It was quite interesting to have. Is there anything else you want to say about Uncle Earl that we didn't really cover? Oh. There is one thing I want to mention about him, and uh, you know, Queen definitely gave him some graces, and in some cases, I believe it was. If, not necessarily warranted, but it's understandable why she would give graces to Uncle Earl. And she said that he was never really the same once he come back from the war. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is fair enough. Um, he gets treated like a king in his house, so that's good. But he doesn't treat them necessarily as queens. No, but he's. But what they're talking about? How dare you? <laughs> how 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 dare you pardon our puns? Um, we're not lubricated for your pardon puns, unfortunately. Mm. Um, but it's some real shit, right? And, you know, we don't have time. If you want to listen to our off, uh, escape room episode and get something out of it, we talk about veterans and how we need to treat them better. Um, but you could see Uncle Earl has gone through some shit. Yeah. And there's definitely some pain. And some pain that he continues to inflict as well, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, but he he still looks out for Queen. Mm. <laughs> there, there were some funny moments um, as well when they when they just when they get given the car to continue their road trip. Slim says, "Thank you, Uncle." He's <laughs> like, "I'm not your uncle." <laughs> and I feel like that's where Lena Waith thrives in, like. Not even in a derogatory way, but like in the menial sort of interactions that people have about commentary, whether it's not necessarily social commentary because that is a, a whole beast that needs to be tackled, but just about like observational um, sort of inferences. I think Lena Waithe really thrives in that. So you'll have moments, even um, when they're eating the burgers in the back of the ute. Mm. That's an Australian word. I think in America they call it a pickup truck. <laughs> and can you just call it a pickup? <laughs> oh my! Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, when she when he was asking Queen, you know what she does, or are you good at your job? She says, "I'm an excellent lawyer." And Slim's like, "Why black people got to be excellent all the time?" <laughs> that was hilarious. But that's a classic Lena Waithe like sort of line. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um and you do have those moments peppered throughout this film See, that I really I, appreciate. I forgot those moments and I blame Lena for that. Yeah. At the end of it, I felt like those zero levity. Do you want to blame her for all the child support you're not paying around the world or <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we haven't mentioned this in a long time, but OT has many babies around the world and feel free um to reach out. Yeah, they don't call me Mr. Wild Wild for nothing. <laughs> Damn, dog. <laughs> um, are there any other characters you want to tackle in this film at all? We talked about the sheriff. I think I want to talk about him a little bit as a character. Mm. Um, how did you feel about him? He had an accent to him. Where were they? Again, I don't know American geography, but he seemed to be in a country sort of mm. state, right? He was very cowboy. Mm. It was very daddy wood all about it. Do you feel like he was going to turn them in? Because I of feel course. like I feel like Queen no, I mean before he even knew who they were. Oh no, he was just helping yeah. to be a good bloke. I didn't think he was going to either. I think it was once he knew and he had an inkling that it was them, yeah. that's when I don't think he was going to give them up before. 
No, because he was helping them buy gas. He, he didn't have a reason to turn them in. But why? For, as much why as he knew, he was just randos on the um, stuck in the road with a random lady that been shot, but she's like completely fine. Yeah, just shot, but just chilling. <laughs> I'm alright. Just leave me here. I'm okay. <laughs> Um, I really appreciated his character. I think it also helps um, in some sort of distorted way to balance the whole perception about police. Mm. Um, he didn't die, did he? We don't know. Probably not. Unless he ran out of air in that truck, which would be sad. How did you feel about when Slim went into a different like petrol station or what do they call it in America? A gas station. Um, where that white guy was asking to hold his gun. <laughs> Why would you give that to him, though? Because he's not a killer. I think it was more to show us the sort of person Slim is. Um, but yeah, that was just plain stupid, regardless of what kind of person you are. Mm. You've already killed someone, mate. You're on the run. Right? Like, People except the world you. you're in. Their newspapers in front of that guy's desk with your faces on it. Oh, yes. So, before we go into for your reference, there are two scenes that I want to talk about. Mm -hmm. There's the opening scene and then there's the final scene. Mm -hmm. The reason why I want to talk about the opening scene is it, it, it felt like there was a lot of contextual sort of knowledge you were supposed to have before it started. Uh, what do you mean? Like, I didn't need to see anything before the scene started. However, the emotional buy-in was right from the start. Mm -hmm. So if you're going to do that, you need to work us into that. Yep. Right? So it's it's one of the two ways. Either you show us a bit of their life and then we have a buy-in, or you don't demand the buy-in right from the onset. Yep. Anyway, um, what I wanted to bring up is, you know, we talked a lot about making us have to feel something and something that we see in the opening scene is queen talking about how well slim was asking you know for three weeks i had a perfectly worded um message and you never responded why did you respond to me now to have dinner tonight and she said that she needed company she couldn't be alone by the way, she was shit company anyway. <laughs> but she needed company because one of her clients um, was sentenced to death. Yeah. I don't know, man. Like, it's it's always good to reach out and say you need help or you need company. But that's a lot. That's a lot to offload, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. And, and you can and tell by Slim's reaction to that. No, but to... To purposefully say such a heavy thing, like your client is, you know, going to be, um, their life is going to be taken, then to not offer to be vulnerable after that, I thought was a bit, it was a bit crude. Like, you know, have you ever met someone and they just tell you the deepest, darkest secret of their life and you don't know anything about them? Yeah. That's how it felt. Yeah, I guess I didn't think too much about it. Um. <laughs> you meet someone on a first date and they say that, you know, their client's going off to capital punishment. That's a lot to say, which is fine. But she didn't offer any sort of emotional sort of vulnerability to yeah. that. So why are you saying that shit? Are you just trying to make him feel bad for agreeing to go on a date with you? Not really, but it's just, 
her as a person. She doesn't offer any sort of emotional resonance until pretty much towards the end of the movie. Stop making people feel bad then. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Oh, fucking hell, man. It was onerous. Mm-hmm. It was onerous. And like I said, there, there, there weren't any um, leveling of the intensity. It was all at DMX 100%. The whole way through. So let's talk about the final scene of the film. So, so much has happened. (laughs) You can hear it. I feel like the character development on OT and I is much more stronger than what happened in the film. (laughs) (laughs) But what we get at the end of the scene is maybe not necessarily full true love between Queen and Slim, but they have an intrinsic connection between each other. Yeah. Right? And what we have there is literally, if you were to think, what's the most extreme thing that can happen in the final scene? That's what happened. It turned into an all guns blazing shootout of eternal love between the two of them. I, you know, in in, in many other cases, it it, might have had more of a payoff. It might have been well welcomed um, in the KT's section or the four-year reference household. However, without ever having a chance to naturally, organically um, gravitate towards these characters. It felt very forced to me. Um, Even in the dialogue, we have Slim saying, well, she's saying, uh, I can be your legacy and you can be my legacy. And then Queen gets shot. That was purposefully done to make you be like, she can't be the legacy, she's dead now, right? And then you have Slim picking her up and walking towards the cops, like, you know, whether he's consciously or he's blacked out and he doesn't know what he's doing. And then he gets gunned down oh, no, as he, well. He knew what he was doing. He he knew. He knew he was going to die there. He wanted to die there. There was no leaving that for... He was not going to go to jail for that shit. He could have gone back to his family, though. He, he really couldn't. Anyway. So you have him getting gunned down and then they are on the floor. And it pretty much ends into a cutscene, and then we have Gail, Robert, Robert. Uh-huh. She should have been like, Lena, Lena, don't do that uh-huh. <laughs> to the script. Rewrite the script. Why do you sound like Smeagol? <laughs> That's my Gail impression. Your Gaelic impression? Uh, yeah. What was that? A Heidi, Heidi, Heidi help? Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh my. Um, it just, I feel like in any other instance where the story would have been less clouded, that really would have been the big crescendo. Mm. But it got, it got drowned out by all the other members in the percussion with all of their instruments, right? It just got in the way. Um, you know, OT said that we enjoyed other parts of the film. I said stuff. <laughs> I'm not sure what you want me to say. Um, I had expectations, but how I feel overall in regards to the film um, aren't tainted by that. I think I had a lot of qualms. 
um, many, many qualms that won't be reconciled. And it is unfortunate because I really wanted this film to be great. Yeah, me too. But, you know, thank you guys so much for listening. We we love you, love you, love you. Um, and if you've watched this film, please, please, please reach out to us because we definitely want to hear, you know, your thoughts yeah, about this film. Yeah, yeah. like yeah, just to qualm here while we're ending. Yeah. Melina said, you know, we've not seen dark people make love in, in the cinema as much. Uh-huh. Well, Vin Diesel has um, love scenes in the dark. Does that not count? Uh, and then the scene is in a car in fucking broad daylight. What's, what's challenging about that? I was expecting more directing chops from that scene. Oh, actually, can I make a comment about the directing in this film? Yeah. I feel like there was no hand of Melina Matsukis in this at all. And if we ever get big enough, I guess we're going to get in trouble for these comments. But if we talk about a visionary that did the Formation music video, like, I don't get it. There were a lot of, like, landscape shots. There were moments where I felt like I should be watching Supernatural or American Gods. (laughs) Curry on my wayward son. (laughs) And if you didn't think you were going to get my wayward son in a Queen and Slim review... um. It's fucking for your reference. I don't know what else you're expecting to have. Um, But we are going to close off in the segment we call For Your Reference. Um, OT, as as we all know, loves a reference. Um, And he did refer to this quote earlier. And it is from that podcast episode that I was listening to. So I just want to mention it here. It is paraphrasing. She talked about Queen and Slim being reflective of society We can be beautiful. We also can be very ugly. Take away what you bring to it. Some people might hate it. Some people might love it. Some people might think it's irresponsible. But to me, that's what good art is. It should be debated. (laughs) Whether this is art is very debatable. (laughs) Before I get into any sort of trouble, let's dive into For Your Reference. OT. Woohoo! I'm gonna reference the one and only set it off. Oh yes. If you want to see a story um, a story told with beautiful pacing, uh-huh, exposition beautifully chilled mm-hmm. or laid out, yep. if you will, set it off does it so good, so brilliantly for a movie in its early nineties. Oh, you would love it, you watch it. You'd cry, you'd have feels, and then you'd wonder what the fuck did Queen and Slim do? And just to bring it more a more recent sort of reference, I dare to put the hate you give on there because oh, you yes. know it's being slept on a bit. I think they did it really beautifully. You know, it, it, it didn't break bank or anything like that, but it did tell the story quite beautifully. Yeah. Yeah. What about you? Um, I've got two references, just like you, OT. Uh-huh. Um, the first one, obviously, is Get Out, not just because Daniel Kaluuya is in it. And can we just point out the character development of KT in 2020? We saw the full moon of Kalaluya, and I didn't even mention it in this whole episode. Uh-huh. But um, obviously, I had to say it somewhere, so you get it at the end. Uh-huh. Um, because if we talk about social commentary, 
being conveyed through multiple devices. However, it all becomes in a cohesive sort of narrative. That's Get Out. Yeah. Through and through. Cutely enough, we also have an episode on that. And you'll be surprised, but I will reference Loose. Oh. Because as, as much as I had qualm with the constructs of the characters in the film, I really felt like it was strong in all the points it needed to be strong in. And it also explores two different types of black experience. It had um, the experience of being African-American from Octavia or as OT likes to say, Olivia Spencer's character. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And also what it's like to be black and migrate to mm. america um so i would definitely reference loose and again cutely enough we also have an episode on that as well Whew. go and take a go and take a nice um enjoying bath friends and lovers or if you're fancy enough and you have a jet spa go and turn on those boosters oh yeah yeah thank you so much for listening guys on twitter and instagram we are for your f pod you can write us an email at hello at um, if you want to leave us an Apple rating and review, we would very much love and welcome that. However you rate it is completely up to you. And we also have a Patreon if you're interested. Mm-hmm. And we'll see you guys next fucking week. See ya. Bye.